Hey guys, welcome back for another season of DWMOD. I can't believe it, man. We're in season five and it has not been without its challenges along the way with COVID and budget issues and sponsorship issues. But we kept plugging away, man, and thanks to you guys, we are still here. Last year, we doubled our audience, and this thing is trending in the right direction, and we are rolling. Big thanks to Better Made Chips and Fago Pop for showing us all the love that they show us. Big love to Detroit. That's our biggest fan base, our largest download base. I mean, obviously, that's hometown. That's how we do it. It's home team. It's Detroit versus everybody, man. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in. But, I mean, you know, we got to give we got to give love and thanks worldwide. I mean, you guys have heard it here on the show before. And there is a bunch of listeners for us overseas. There, there's a bunch of folks in Germany that listen to this show. Uh, and I'm still convinced it's probably on an Army base somewhere. So I want to give a big shout out to all, all the servicemen and women out there listening to the show, man. I can't thank you men and you ladies enough. Y'all be safe out there and thank you for everything you do. And a big thanks to all the other places, man. I'm not forgetting all the other places we got listeners. We got Florida, Texas, Kentucky, Tennessee. We got listeners. Uh, obviously, here in California, we got plenty of listeners here in L.A. And, you know, they're popping up more and more every day. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for doubling the audience. Thanks for keeping this thing rolling. And hopefully this year we can, we can turn it up another notch. And we really want to thank the official beer of the DWMOD podcast. And that's Old English 800. We want to give them much love because they keep us going on the weekends. They keep us going on those tailgates. We get them brass monkeys going. You guys who listen, you know how we do on the show. We roll that Old English 800 with a splash of orange juice, and you guys can hold on to your mimosas because I'm rolling my Old English 800 with my orange juice at the tailgates, at the games all the time, and we love it. And big thanks to them for being the official beer of the DWMOD podcast. Now, you guys know what time it is. I'm your host, Mikey Wilson. We got a great show lined up for you here, man. We're going to be talking Tigers. We're going to be talking PGA versus Live Golf. We're going to be talking all kinds of NBA. We're going to be talking the finals. We're going to be talking about all kinds of players. Of course, we're going to get our quick hits. Of course, we're going to get to the knock-it-offs because we got to let some people have it. So let's get this thing going. Stay with me now. It's time for Disagree With Me or Don't. That's DWMOD. Let's go. Hey, congratulations to the Lions great Matt Stafford, Super Bowl champion. Don't! Hut! 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 Hey, it's 2022, and Sweet Lou Whitaker still ain't in the Hall of Fame. This is an atrocity. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut, hut. The Dan Campbell era has officially started in Detroit, and I'm all in simply for the change in culture that it'll bring. I can't wait for hard knocks. Don't. I hope the last two seasons of NBA basketball have brought upon the death of the super team. But we all know it hasn't. Just wait till the offseason. Hut. No, I'm not interested in your hot take clickbait, man. It's irresponsible sports media. Knock it off. Ready? Hey, we're handing out baseball parlays every day for free, and we're winning. Stay with me now. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. All right, guys, I, I can't think of a better way to start off the season by just getting something off my chest that's been burning at me for over a month now, man. Usually I wake up in the morning, I put on my little coffee, you know what I mean? I get my stuff together for the day, get my little notepad, do whatever I'm doing in the morning, and I'll flip on ESPN, you know, I'll flip on the morning shows, the news shows that they have on, right? And and First Take, we all know First Take is not a news show. That is not a news show, and it is not even an opinion-based show anymore. It has become utter and complete nonsense in the formula that we've discussed that we hate. Okay, before they get on the show, it's clear that they just discuss with each other. Uh, here's an issue. Can you argue this side? Okay, well, then I'll argue this other side. And the other side will just be ridiculousness. And I'm telling you, we know that's what they do because I, I have heard people that have been on ESPN shows, uh, sports media personalities that have said, you know, when you go live on their show, the producers will get with you beforehand and they'll be like, okay, uh, here's something that so-and-so wants to bring up, whether it be Screaming A or whoever. Here's something they want to bring up now. Can you argue this point? And they don't even ask you to take like an opposition point. They give you a ridiculous point and they'd be like, so here's the thing. So do you think you can argue it like that? 
And then, you you know, you're kind of up against the wall. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll take that side. So you're walking in there to get punched in the face with ridiculousness. I just don't even have time to listen to it most of the time. I just turn it off. I can't even watch first take. Now, I used to like Get Up for a while. I would watch Get Up because Greeny would get into some, you know, journalistic stuff. And he's kind of hosting the show. And he'll get into some, like, points and hear some facts. And then he'll throw it to the table and let them discuss it. That kind of stuff I like. But even that is that show's even starting to bleed over into what is taking over, especially on ESPN, is these these hot take shows are I mean, they're generating views, you know, they're generating viewership and rating. So what am I supposed to say about that? But it's terrible, man. It's terrible. I I flip it on the other day and they're talking ridiculous things like how well let's discuss that the Mavericks have failed Luka Doncic and and there's nothing I mean they have failed Luka Doncic and they've lost their window of winning a championship and I'm like what are you what is this we're even discussing like how how are you even sitting at the table with that being your legitimate point Uh, you know a a legitimate side of an argument to bring up that the Mavs have failed Luka Doncic I I believe it's the first time the kid's gotten out of the first round and then he takes his team uh what to the Western Conference Finals I mean they knocked off the number one seed they go to the Western Conference Finals and they lose to the Warriors and and you're on TV talking about how they failed him and the window for championship may be closing I mean the first of all first of all what's a kid been in the league four years Four years, and I think he's 23, came in at 19 years old, and already we're talking about, A, his window's closed, and B, uh, his team has failed him. I mean, in the West? His team's failed him in the West? I mean, look what Phoenix goes out and does. They're the number one seed. Uh, you got the Lakers and the super team there. You got the Warriors. You got, I mean, you got all these teams in the West that everybody's clamoring to get to because they think they can win a championship. And somehow you want to try to lay on the table that, like, the Mavs had all these opportunities to bring in all these other guys to play with Luka and they failed him. No, they're just in a place right now where they see their star is starting to bud. He's starting to be able to take over games and control it by himself. They are now just entering the window of, okay, now how do we build around this kid? And let's try to go win one. But you got to say nonsense on there to get people mad and screaming at the TV. I mean, it's classic Fox News. That's what's going on. Fox News garbage has inspired everybody because we know now how the human brain works and negativity, getting someone angry and getting them to shout back at the TV will keep them engaged and they won't turn the channel. And it's sad. It's sad that you can't stay interested in a show that you may have a minor disagreement with somebody about or a different point of view about or just agree with somebody about. You won't watch any of these shows and see anybody agreeing with anybody. And that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous that we wouldn't sit at a table and agree on some things. Anyways, man, I had to get that off my chest because I'm just tired of it. It just it bores me to tears and infuriates me when I flip it on and I got to hear about how Lamar Jackson doesn't have a contract yet. I'd like to hear about why Lamar Jackson doesn't have a contract, but I'd like to hear like the truth and like the reporting of it or like let me get Shefty to tell me about it a little bit. But I got to flip on these hot take shows and they got to be screaming across the table and and they're not just screaming irrelevant points like the Lamar thing really gets me going because they are absolutely reporting on it in a way as if what they're saying is fact they're they're laying out statements like you know the the Ravens aren't going to pay him and he's going to go into camp without a contract and can you believe that and that's not right and they're not going to pay him because they're worried about him getting hurt by running too much and, and they're laying out all these things as if they're reporting on why the Ravens refuse to give him a contract and that's not even that's not even the case I mean, if you follow any of this, it's not even the case. Lamar represents himself with his mother. He doesn't have an agent. And if you've seen Harbaugh on interviews or seen anybody from the front office on interviews, they've had nothing to say other than uh, we love Lamar. We want to have Lamar here. We've built this team around Lamar. Uh, Lamar doesn't have a contract yet because we haven't heard from Lamar. He hasn't told us what he wants yet. We haven't said no to anything. We want to keep him here. It's not like we've disrespected him and and are saying, we're not going to pay you. You're not worth Mahomes' money. You know, now maybe they're not going to give him Mahomes' money, and he's probably not worth Mahomes' money, but he's worth some money. They're going to pay him. He hasn't gone to them with what he wants yet. So this whole thing being spun into 
this negative thing around the Ravens and that they won't pay him because that generates viewership. That generates people angry. That generates people to to jump right onto how stupid are the Ravens. And that's ridiculous, man. It's just driving me crazy. And that's where we're going to start with the knock it offs, man. All these hot take shows with the irresponsible journalism and turning your opinion into what's being reported as fact. It ain't, man. Knock it off. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. Now, before I get going on this next thing real quick, let me just tell you, uh, you know, congratulations to the Warriors. I was pulling for them because, you know, I'm, I'm bad boys for life, so I cannot root for the Celtics, the Lakers, the Bulls ever to win the championship. And I like a lot of guys on that Warriors team, man. I just like them. Built from within, drafted those guys. I like that. I like that, and I hate super teams. But my, my man Draymond Green, come on, man. You, you got to knock it off. You you are you are such a wannabe tough guy. He is just a wannabe tough guy. He wants to be Bill Lambeer or Charles Oakley or something, man, and he is not. Those guys would not have walked around uh, taking cheap shots at guys nuts, trying to kick guys. And, and like the other day in the game, the guy goes down and he rolls over and puts his legs all over his head, and then and then he wants to act upset about it. And he's just a phony. He's a phony tough guy, man. He he is all mouth. He is all mouth. And then when he wants to go off on, on the guys from the, the era of the 80s and 90s and have something to say about them, please, man, please. He wouldn't dare have done half the stuff he does on the court when them other guys were on the court. Charles Oakley would have put his teeth out. They didn't play that, man. He like Draymond Green, to me, is the promoter from Rocky Five. That's who he is. He is all mouth. He is all mouth, and then when it's time to put up or shut up, he's the dude that's going to back up in his fur coat and go, touch me and I sue, touch me and I sue. That's that's Draymond Green to a T, man. Just nobody's buying it, man. Just play basketball and knock it off. All right, knock it off, knock it off. Pretty big story uh, in Major League Baseball, other than the fact that the ball is juiced again. We'll get to that later. But a big story the last couple of weeks in Major League Baseball was a bunch of players from the Tampa Bay Rays who didn't want to wear the the rainbow Tampa Bay logo, you know, for Pride Month. Baseball is really promoting the, the Pride Month with the rainbow logo hats and things like that. And you know, that's great, man. That's fine. They're they're trying to drag. They're trying to attract fans. You know what I mean? Like they're doing what a good sports league or company does. They're making sure that that everybody feels welcome at their games and to their games and to watch their games. And they're trying to draw in a new audience. You know, they've already got viewers like you and I that are sport nuts that are watching that thing. They're trying to get more eyeballs. And, you know, they're also trying to do something good. You know, I mean, they're just trying to do something to include everybody and be like, hey, man, it's a baseball game. There's one thing about sports is it's the place where you can get together and, and race don't matter and, and and sexuality preference all this like it don't matter. You can be at the game sitting next to anybody in life and you will bond over that team. And, and that's the great thing about sports is like none of that pl- stuff has a place there. But, you know, a lot of these guys from Tampa Bay they wanted to speak out against it, and then and there's where my problem comes with it. You know, I don't have a problem with them saying they don't want to wear the thing or they don't want to put the rainbow logo on there because of their own personal beliefs. This is America, man. They got they have a right to do that, and that's fine. But where I draw the line on a lot of stuff is, but that doesn't mean you need to shit on everybody else that is doing something like that. You know, if you don't want to wear it, just don't wear it. You don't need to make a public statement and make it all about you and why you're not doing it and that it's stupid that people are doing it. You don't need to do that. Uh, That's fine. You don't want to take part in it. You don't have to. Nobody's forcing you. They didn't wear it. You don't have to. You didn't have to make the statements. You know what I mean? And and, uh, their pitcher, Jason Adam, I I guess this is what he had to say. Um, He he tried to to soft talk and walk it back. But here's what he said, uh, quote, It's a hard decision because ultimately – We all said what we want is for them to know that they are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that that we look down on anybody or we think differently than anybody, it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that type of behavior. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe, the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not to withhold. But again, 
We love these men and women and we care about them and we want them to feel safe and welcome here. Uh, unquote. Now, I mean, <laughs> first of all, first of all, just be smart enough not to use the term them. I mean, we all know that when you use the term them, it is seen clearly as us and them. And that's just not an inclusive term. So don't give a speech that you're trying to be inclusive and then use the term them. Say who you're talking about. Second of all, for all the Jesus scholars out there, uh, like my man here, Jason Adam, like I said before, you don't want to wear it. You don't have to. I mean, if you're so well-versed in, in the biblical teachings of Jesus Christ, then you're pretty well aware of the fact that he didn't encourage prostitution, but he spent plenty of time with them. He befriended them and made sure that they knew he loved them, and it wasn't for him to pass judgment on their life. But there's no need for a public statement, dude. You didn't need to make a public statement, and you sounded like a fool. So just knock it off. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. Major League Baseball is in some hot water again about the condition of the baseballs. We all know the balls were juiced in 2019. That's been discovered. They broke all the home run records. They shattered everything because guys couldn't hit, so they juiced the ball so that they could get some hitting going again. We've talked about that on the show before. I mean, you know how that goes. And this season didn't start out very well. I mean, the league had an all-time low for average batting average. Uh, the league average was uh, well down near 200. Plenty of teams had have four and five starters hitting under 200 and then all of a sudden uh, about a month and a half ago you started seeing scores on the rise you started seeing everything rising home runs batting average everything was rising so people were speculating they've juiced the ball again they're denying it but they issued some disingenuous statement about the ball isn't technically been altered but we've blah 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 whatever they're trying to say I can't even repeat because there was so much double talk. But listen, here's what I'm going to say. Just leave it alone, man. Just leave the baseball alone. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just find a happy medium between the dead ball and the juice ball, and let's just stick with that and play. Because when scores are altering month to month from, you know, nobody can score more than two runs, and, and then in the last month and a half you're seeing regular ball games of 22 to 2, 18 to 1 and outfielders and backup catchers are pitching i think one game they let the bullpen uh catcher come in and pitch i mean when that's going on man just knock it off knock it off all right knock it off knock it off because you're really messing with our daily parlays over here man <laughs> so if you guys are following the show you know we're tweeting out daily parlays for the baseball we're doing really well we started the season with 150 bucks we're up near 800 dollars right now we're hitting parlays every other day man we're handing them out we're hitting them go ahead and cash in on that at dwmod pod and get you some money <laughs> Oh, it's quick hits, man. It's time for quick hits. All right, let's start this thing off with a real quick one. Uh, congratulations to my man Aaron Donald on his huge contract. I mean, the highest paid player on defense, uh, on the defensive line in the history of the NFL, and it's well-deserved, man. I love it. I mean, the Rams are finding creative ways uh, to spend, and they're changing the way business is done in the NFL. And other teams hate it. They hate it because all their stars are coming to them and going, hey, man, the Rams can do it. You can bring in some pass rushers. You can bring in some wide receivers, and I mean top guys. You can bring in some linemen. You can bring in some help at safety if you want to, corner, whatever. I mean, they're spending money all over the place and finding creative ways to keep it all under the cap, and every other GM in the league is pulling out their hair because now they got to deal with their guys asking for more money. And they're telling the front office, I don't want to hear it, man. If the Rams can do it, we can do it. They figured it out. Figure it out. Just a friendly reminder of who the greatest running back in the history of the NFL is. Now, you know who the top rushers in the league history are. Emmitt Smith, 18,355 yards. Walter Payton, 16,726 yards. Frank Gore, 16,000 yards. And number four, Barry Sanders, 15,259 yards. And we all know that Barry Sanders is the greatest running back that ever played in the NFL because Emmett Smith played 16 years. As Sweetness Walter played 13 years. Frank Gore played 15 years. Uh, I mean, Barry Sanders played nine seasons, man. He played nine seasons, and he's like 3,000 yards off the leader. I mean, Barry Sanders is the greatest running back that ever played in the NFL. This next one's pretty under the radar. Uh, a statement by one of the guys that's having uh, one of the hottest seasons in baseball right now, Manny Machado. And he spoke out against Major League Baseball recently talking about Albert Pujols. And Albert Pujols is in his last season. 
Signed back with the Cardinals to play one last year to retire a Cardinal. He's having his farewell tour. He's announced he's retiring at the end of the year. And Manny Machado said it's kind of bullshit. It's bullshit that teams aren't giving Albert Pujols a farewell tour. I mean, he's been the best player of this generation. And he's one of the best players that ever played this game. And stadium to stadium, they're not giving him his farewell tour. And I got to tell you what, man. Manny Machado's known for being kind of an asshole. I don't know the guy. He might be cool, but he's known for being kind of an asshole. Teammates don't like him and pretty big loudmouth. I and mean, people generally don't like Manny Machado, even when they play with him. But I'm going to tell you this right now. He's 100% right about this one. 100% right about this one. So tip of the cap to Manny Machado on that because he's right. Hey, this NFL offseason has showed a little bit of one thing that we said here on the show, and I think it's proven us right. And it's the wide receiver is quickly becoming the running back of the 2000s. Teams are realizing quickly that you don't need to spend big money at wide receiver. You can get a stable of guys at a decent price, and you can win games like that by spending money elsewhere, like paying for your quarterback, paying for O-linemen, and especially paying for a defense. And I think they're starting to realize that. And, and if you don't think so, because all the big money contracts receivers are getting right now, uh, they're running to those contracts quickly. I mean, a guy like uh, a Christian Kirk, yeah, go get paid right now because you're quickly going to be one of those middle-of-the-pack guys that gets paid a decent wage to be a part of a stable. So these guys are all trying to cash in, and they're all trying to hold out and get paid now because they see the writing on the wall, man, and it is coming. Two of the most high-powered offenses in the league – you know, the Chiefs and the Packers during the offseason, what'd they do? How'd they get better? Uh, they decided to move off big money wide receivers and grab a stable of guys at a decent price and spend the money somewhere else. So when the top offenses in an offense-happy league are deciding that's the way to do business now, well, like it or not, that's going to be a trend moving forward. And like I told you before on the show, it's because of the college game. The college game is all offense. It is all big-time spread quickness. It is four and five receiver sets, and they're too deep. Every team's got ten receivers that are probably seeing reps during the course of a game. These kids are doing nothing but playing seven-on-seven seven through high school. They're getting a million reps. They're ready to step right on the field as freshmen, and wide receiver is a position where you can step right in and play as a freshman if you're ready to go because you don't need three years in the weight room, man. You don't need to, to pump all the iron and get big enough to play middle linebacker at the college level. You walk into college and you're a wide receiver that's running a 4-5 and you're 6'3", 180, 185 pounds, you're ready to play right now. And then you're getting a ton of experience playing reps immediately from freshman year. You're getting three years of that, and then we saw it in the draft this year. We saw it in the draft this year, man. All-time high in receivers getting drafted. There's just a million receivers out there that can do what you want them to do, and the pay on that is going to start quickly dropping, and I think you're starting to see it. And that's it for quick hits this week, guys. I'm going to make a quick pivot to the NHL. Uh, NHL finals going on right now. And we have the ever-hated Colorado Avalanche are in the finals. Hey, man, come on. We're Red Wing fans, right? We can't root for the Colorado Avalanche to win. And we got the Tampa Bay Lightning looking to three-peat the Stanley Cup, which has not happened all too often. I think the Oilers and uh, the Broad Street Bullies, in Philadelphia, I think they did it, and I believe the Islanders did it. And if you had a gun to my head, I had to pick one more team. I'd say Montreal probably did it back in the day. But it doesn't happen too often. And Steve Eiserman is, you know, he's he's the one to put the footprint all over that Lightning team. So we're pulling for the Lightning there. But it just reminded us here at the show, and if you're following the Twitter, at uh, Pod, you saw we tweeted out the article this year. Um, well, this year, we just tweeted it out the other day. But it's the 20th anniversary of the 2002 Stanley Cup when a bunch of us went down to the Stanley Cup Finals in, in Carolina and I threw an octopus out on the ice during the game and had to fight my way out of that arena. <laughs> and it was great, man. Mike Rosenberg, reporter from the Free Press, was he was there. Uh, he reported on it, so it is not folklore. It was a it was a big deal. It stopped the game, and everybody was watching the whole section fight, and it was pretty crazy, man. You can read the article right on the Twitter there, and it was not easy to sneak that octopus into that game, guys. Because if you remember, that was that was right after 9/11, so security at those events was really crazy. They were giving people pat downs. I mean, you couldn't get in there with anything. So to get that nine pound octopus in that game. And to get it on the ice like that, 
<laughs> I had to fight my way out of that arena, man. I literally had to fight my way out of that arena. Well, to the top of the concourse until I got arrested. But it was a brawl. And it was one of the best times I've ever had in my life, man. Bunch of guys I was playing football with in college. We all went down there. And, you know, I was also a Detroit fireman at the time. And I went down with a bunch of firemen, too, and my brother and my dad. And, man, we had a ball down there. Beginning of the night, they put our whole fireman group on TV on ESPN and the local news. And they were interviewing us, all the Red Wing fans being down there. And then they let me do this jousting game, uh, you know, like a gladiator-style jousting game against some Carolina fan to start the night off. And, you know, it's warm weather down there in Carolina, too. So, like, it was in June. You know what I mean? And they opened up the parking lot at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. The game was at, like, 730 at night. We were, like, one of the first trucks in the parking lot started drinking at, like, 1030 in the morning. So... Well, we were pretty good to go by, by 7.30 and then like 9.30, 10 o'clock when that octopus finally flew out onto the ice. But anyway, man, the article's posted up there, and we were just having a good time remembering that this week and, and feeling crazy that that was 20 years ago. So <laughs> there was a lot of crazy stories about that night. I'm sure we'll get into it one episode and, and dive in because it didn't stop after the game. But anyway, man, that was pretty crazy. And hopefully the Red Wings can get this thing back on track here. We got Stevie Y back in Detroit. He's made some good moves. The rumor mill is flying in Detroit that Sergey Fedorov is soon to be the new coach next year. That could happen. That could very well happen, and I think that would reignite Hockey Town big time, and I think we might make it back into the playoffs next year. We're hoping so. But right now, it is baseball season. It is baseball season, and the Tigers are giving us a lot, a lot to be encouraged about. I mean, if you've been following this team this year, I know you might, you know, you know, somebody out there might be laughing right now, but I wouldn't be laughing, man. I'm telling you right now, you look at this pitching staff on this team. You look at this pitching staff on this Tiger team, and four of our starters to start the year were out, okay? And, and two of them are still out. Supposed to be our best guys are still out, all right? Tariq Skubal is pitching fantastic. I think he's won his last four starts in a row. He's got like a two. 0.33 ERA, which is one of the tops in the league, and he has been lights out. Uh, Bo Brisky has also been a diamond in the rough find for us. I mean, this kid, his last three starts were against top five offenses in the league. I mean, it was against the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and uh, just against the Rangers the other day. Now, I know the Rangers ain't the top of their division, but they're a top five offense in the league, and he didn't give up a run in the last three starts. Just went seven against the Rangers the, the tonight and lost as the bullpen blew it. But that I'm not even going to get on the bullpen because the bullpen – has been really, really good. I mean, when we've led games late and we don't score a lot of runs, so it ain't like we're leading seven to one. When we're leading a game late, it's two to one or it's three to one. I mean, and the bullpen has held on. We've got a lot of guys getting quality holds, and and the closer has been good. Soto has been good. He has been a guy that you can count on when we've had a lead. He's been very solid. Lang has been good. Jimenez has been good. Chafin has been good. The bullpen has been good. This team. Well, we have one of the top team ERAs in baseball, and we're getting no run support. I mean, right now our team ERA is about 3.5. Now, that's the same that it was in 1984 when the Tigers won the World Series and got off to a 36-6 and start or 35-5 and start or whatever it was. It was one of the fastest starts in the history of the league. But that was an amazing World Series team, and this team right now has an ERA near 3.5. So that's awesome. Our problem is... We can't get any run support, man. I mean, this lineup is atrocious. Five of nine starters on a regular basis are hitting under 200. Our collective team average right now is around 213, okay? And that's with Miggy hitting 300. Miggy, Miggy's our best hitter right now. He's 39 years old. And, and that's not a knock. He's having a great year. He's having a, year, a better year than he's had in the last bunch of years. He is really pouring it on this year and having some fun playing ball. But when the team average is 213 and we're getting quality starts night after night with a quality bullpen and we can't even get at 500, it's time to bring up some kids and just let them hit, man. It's time to bring up some kids and just let them hit because I'm like, I look at some of the guys on this team and we've got some guys that have been like project guys that we just keep around because they're ready to have a season. They're ready to have a season. And John Scope is one of these guys. He's 30 years old, man. Like, he's 30 years old, and he's hitting 192. 
Like, bring somebody else up and let him play that spot. I mean, we dropped the ball. He's hitting, like, 192, five homers, and 18 RBIs. That That's terrible, man. That is not good. I think we really dropped the ball a season ago, or maybe it was the season before when he was playing decently and a lot of teams were interested in him at the trade deadline. Like, we should have moved him at 29 years old because he, this guy, man, he is not hitting well. You could bring a kid up and let him get some swings, man. You know, and then Javi Baez, big money Baez, he's been on and off and on and off, but he's barely hitting over 200 right now. He got three home runs and like 15 RBIs, and but you got to play him. You know, you're paying Javi, you got to play him. You know, he's decent defensively, and you're going to pay him all that money. You are going to play him. But here's here's where I'm going to defend Javi just a little bit, okay? If you remember when he was playing with the Cubs team that was so damn good and won the World Series and all that, He's sandwiched in between a bunch of good hitters, right? I mean, with that Schwarber and Bryant, and that lineup was pretty good top to bottom. And he's a guy that needs to see hittable pitches. When he sees hittable pitches, uh, he's a good hitter, man. And I know that may sound like a stupid statement, but there's a lot of guys in the league right now that can see good pitches on a regular basis and would be lucky to hit 235. Okay, When Javi Baez is, is seeing a pitcher who's got to throw him strikes because he doesn't want to pitch to the next guy, he's he's an exceptional hitter, man. And you can see it when he's at the plate this year because he's doing a lot of chasing because they don't have to pitch to him. Because the guy behind him is is no good. They'll go pitch to him, too. So they're throwing him nowhere near the strike zone. And you watch a lot of his at-bats if you've been watching the Tigers this year. And he is just waving at stuff in the dirt, outside. I mean, they're, they're, they're just pitching right around him. And, you know, he's a prisoner to that. Because you got other guys like Candelario. I mean, Candelario is another guy we've been like, He's gonna hit. This guy's gonna have a breakout. He's gonna have a breakout. He's gonna have a breakout. He showed. He showed a little bit of something last year for a small stretch, but a little bit of something. I mean, like he was pushing two fifty for a minute. You know what I mean? But he's a guy that's that's a little bit older too. I mean, let him let him go. Move. Just bring up some young guys to take over for that man. You know, like the argument against that might be Spencer Torkelson. Now he's only twenty two. He's the rookie for us. But you've been watching. He's been coming on as of late. Okay, he was only hitting 192, four home runs, 13 ribbies. I mean, you know, he, he hasn't been hitting, setting the world on fire for, for a number one pick. But he's come right up. He's 22 years old. He was hitting decent early. They figured him out. He has not hitting well. But in the last bunch of games, Spencer's been hitting the ball. He's been squaring the ball up. He's getting better. He is getting experience. And I'll live there. I will live there and let this kid get through this season because you can see him getting better and he's young, you know, he's young, but and guys like Grossman, like Robbie Grossman's 32 years old and hit 198, man, bring somebody else up, just bring somebody else up, you know, Meadows is 27, he's hitting like 257, you can live there, you know, you can live there, Miggy's hitting 300, he's hitting really well, uh, Castro, Castro's been okay, he's hovering around 250, He's getting a little more hits in the last couple of games. You know, I can live with Castro. He can play a little bit. And and maybe getting Haas back will help us. But Haas is not hitting like he hit last year. But, you know, he's been injured. He's been injured the whole year. You know, I think he had a double tonight in tonight's game. I think he went two for two for four tonight's game. But Haas will start coming back around and hitting a little more. You got to keep him in the lineup. He's been a little injured. I'll live with that. You know, uh, Badu as well. Baidu kind of leveled out last year, but, a, a, you know, a good pro, hitting 250, hitting 260, you know, close to 20 home runs. That That's a good player. Not everybody is a, a 3 four, five hitter, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a guy who's good. He's good in the outfield. You can live with that. Now, he needs to get back to that, but he's been pretty banged up this year, and we can't keep him healthy. And, you know, a lot of people think it's it's the short spring training, but these guys are training on their own now too, so I, I don't know if I'm buying that. I might buy that with the pitchers. You know, if the pitchers are struggling, it's because their arms aren't ready yet. They didn't have as long as spring training. But the hitters being injured, you know, I'll live with, like, they're not in their groove swinging yet. Maybe they should be by now. But early on, if they weren't. But the injuries, man, like, you got to come back from that, you know. But I really do think that A.J. is doing his best, man. He is doing his best with this team. I mean, they're going out there and they're playing hard. I mean, they're competing. Just Some of them just can't hit, and that that's the problem. But this pitching staff – 
I mean, it has got me very excited for the future. If we get some hitters coming in, maybe grab one more free agent in the offseason, I mean, we could be right in the mix here. It's not like anybody's running away with this division. You know, it's not like we got any of the top teams in the league. We're not the American League East over here. You know what I mean? Like, I think, the, you know, the Guardians and the Twins, the Twins are winning a lot of games. I think they're 37 wins right now. But that's not a team that we're scared of even playing right now. You know what I mean? And the Guardians ain't much better than us. So the Royals are not are not very good. They can't pitch to save their lives. I mean, they just can't. They're hitting and scoring runs, but they have no pitching. And that's what's really got me excited about the Tigers right now, guys, because uh, Matt Manning and Casey Mize haven't even really pitched for us yet this year, and those guys are 24 and 25 years old, and they're lights-out pitchers. And uh, this Bo Brisky is legit. I'm telling you right now, Bo Brisky's legit. You know, uh, Sands us playing the, the Yankees or having to play the Mets in an interleague game or something like that. Brisky's on the mound. I look at taking the Tigers getting that run and a half because uh, seven shutout innings tonight. I mean, he shut down the, the Blue Jays. He shut down the Yankees. This kid is coming into his own. And I first saw him pitch out here. His first game he came up to pitch for us was out here in L.A. And we went to the Dodger game to watch him pitch because – Clayton Kershaw is going to break the Dodgers strikeout record that night. So we all went down to the game. We got the game, the Tiger tickets and stuff. And, uh, you know, my buddy Chris Wall was in town from a man from back in the neighborhood in Detroit. He, he came out and we were hanging out. So we went down to the game with my wife and Brisky pitched and he pitched phenomenally and we won the game. And I was like, man, I mean, for that kid to come up and pitch in that situation and pitch as well as he did, I was impressed, man. I was impressed. You know, and then his next outing, he pitched pretty well again against the Astros. And then he had a couple of games where he was getting knocked around a little bit. Not a ton of runs at all, but they, they were hitting him a little bit. And he was giving up some home runs because he kept trying to challenge guys. And he was giving up a few home runs. I think it was like three games he gave up a first pitch home run or something like that. But settled right in. That Dodger game. First pitch home run to Mookie Betts. It's one nothing after one pitch, and it's your first game pitching, and it's at Dodger Stadium, and the place is sold out because their all-time greatest pitcher, Clayton Kershaw, is going to break the record that night. I mean, that is a tough spot. And then you come in and give up a first pitch home run, and then you settle right in, and we end up winning the game. I'm telling you, man, that that tells me something about this kid. I really think he's going to be a special pitcher. And Tariq Skubal is looking great as well. So, I don't know, man. You guys tell me, disagree with me or don't on this one. But I think the future looks pretty good for the Tigers. We just need to get a few bats. And on that note, guys, I'm thirsty. I'm getting a little parched, man. We've been talking for about 35 minutes here now, and I'm getting a little parched. And when I get thirsty, I got to, you know, when it's working hours, I got to reach for one of my favorite drinks, man. I got to grab myself one of those Fago Rock and Rise. And if you don't know what that is, you got to get you one of those. And if you're not from Detroit or you're not in an area that sells Fago, uh, I'm telling you right now, you can get it at any candy shop, Rocket Fizz. It's a classic old-time pop, and they do carry that rock and rye. You go in any one of these Rocket Fizz candy stores, these classic old places, and look at all their selections of, like, the pops from across the country. Every one of these places, they carry Fago. They carry Fago, and I guarantee they're going to have old-fashioned root beer, and I guarantee they're going to have red pop, and I guarantee they're going to have a rock and rye. And if you try any of those, you are not going to be disappointed. And that, and that Fago is popping up like crazy everywhere in here in L.A. I'm telling you, the more gas stations I'm heading into, I'm seeing Fago, and I couldn't be happier. So I'm going to get myself a rock and rye right here, and I'm going to quench my thirst before we keep moving with the main topic this week, and that's the PGA Tour. PGA Tour is in a little trouble but let me just let me just just get a little drink of that rock and rock fantastic fantastic but hey listen the pga tour uh they're in a little bit of trouble okay they got they got this competitive league coming after them this live golf and if you've been following this this is a upstart league uh greg norman is at the head of this thing you remember the shark um he's at the head of this thing but the real money behind this whole league it's a Saudi-backed league, all right? It's backed by the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, which is one of the world's largest sources of wealth. And with gas prices, what they are right now, I mean, uh, the Live Golf Tour is handing out some crazy purses and prizes. And why not? They got money to burn. We're paying 8 bucks a gallon. But politics aside, uh, it's pretty serious for the PGA Tour right now. 
like I said, if you've been following this thing, PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan, he recently just suspended a bunch of golfers who played in the inaugural live golf event, okay? He suspended them indefinitely for playing in that event. And this is not a slouchy list of, of golfers that are getting suspended for going over here to play. I mean, Phil Mickelson is at the head of this thing. I mean, he's the first big name that they got, and they reportedly paid him $200 million to go over there. Now, that's not purse money. That's money just to come and play. Some of the other golfers cashing in and moving over there, uh, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Louis Usenthusen, however you pronounce that, but you know who that is. He's usually at the top. He's a top 10 golfer sometimes, man. Uh, Charles Swarsell, who he just won the Masters in 2011. And another big one right before last week's tournament, they got Dustin Johnson. I mean, this guy's a top 10 PGA golfer, and they paid him $125 million to basically leave the PGA Tour and come over and golf with them. Now, the PGA thought that that was going to be the end of the bleeding. They got a couple of big-name golfers. They paid, you know, Phil 200, and they paid Dustin Johnson 125, and they thought, okay, you know, they grabbed a couple of guys, but they got to be running low on th uh, funds. Uh, they were not. Right before the tournament kicked off, they also went and got Bryson DeChambeau, another guy that's a pretty much a top-10 golfer, paid him $100 million. He's left and gone over there now. Now, just to give you a little information on how this live golf is going to work, um, it's a little different than the PGA, okay? They've got, like, I think seven more events that they're going to have this year, and here's how they do it. Every one of their events or tournaments is 54 holes, all right, and there is no cut. It's a 48-man tournament, no cut, and they play single and team format. So you'll get put on a team, but you're also playing for yourself. And to explain how that goes, like the inaugural event just this last weekend, um, Schwartzel ended up winning this thing, and by winning the tournament, he won $4 million for winning the tournament, and he won another $750,000 for being part of the winning team at the tournament. So there's two chances to win money. There's no cut. You're not going to show up and not make the cut, and they're not going to get paid that weekend. You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't these guys be jumping over to this thing? And they're getting paid money to play there. So... It's got the PGA feeling a little uneasy about losing a bunch of their stars. I'm going to tell you that right now. And that's why Monahan's handed down these suspensions immediately and quickly. He wants to try to turn this tap off right now of guys filling up that other bathtub. I'm telling you. So how the whole thing kind of kicked off is these players that wanted to go and play in this event and were going to be paid to play in this, they're trying to figure this all out because it was a real gray area at first. So they wanted to go and play. And skip the PGA Tour event that weekend, which was the RBC, Canadian Open. Now, in order to try to do that, they applied for what's called a, a conflicting tournament release. Like, they wanted to be released from the tournament for the weekend because they wanted to go play in a conflicting tournament, which has never been granted by the PGA ever. But these guys, you know, they went through the, the process and they, you know, they turned in their paperwork on that, which was quickly denied. Because the PGA does not allow golfers to leave and go play in a conflicting tournament that rivals theirs. So this past weekend, the live golf tournament kicked off at the same time that the PGA tournament, the RBC Canadian Open, kicked off. And the commissioner, uh, Monaghan, he was live at the PGA event. And he was, you know, he was interviewed by Jim Nance and questioned by Jim Nance. And here's what he had to say when Jim Nance asked him, uh, why can't players simply play in both? And uh, Monaghan spoke very quickly to this, and he said, quote, why do they need us so badly? Because those players have chosen to sign multi-year lucrative contracts to play in a series of exhibition matches against the same players over and over again, Monaghan said. Uh, quote, you look at that versus what we see here today at the RBC Open, and that's why they need us so badly. That's why they want to play in both and come back and forth, even though they're making all the money over there. You've got true pure competition okay the best players in the world are here at the rbc canadian open with millions of fans watching and in this game it's true and pure competition that creates the profile and the presence of the world's greatest players and that's why they need us that's why they want to be able to play in the pga as well that's what we do and that's what we offer but we're not going to allow players to free ride off of our loyal members and the best players in the world now, Monaghan's got a point there. He does have a point there, okay? How quickly will the allure wear off in, in watching the same guys compete against the same small list of guys in the same competition where there's no cut? I mean, there's no cut. 
and that allure is going to wear off really quickly if they can't get any more big names. I mean, right now they really only have Phil, who's kind of old. They got Justin down, uh, um, Dustin Johnson, and they've got Bryson DeChambeau, and that's it. I mean, that's really kind of it. And what about the majors? I mean, the majors are a big, big deal. They don't have anything like that over there yet. I mean, that's golf royalty, okay? And we see that Phil Mickelson gets to play in the U.S. Open this week, uh, this weekend because, you know, he's got an exemption for winning uh, the PGA Championship last year, so he gets to compete in all the majors for the next five years. So they can't keep him out from playing that. But the other guys, they can. They can keep him from playing in it. So the commissioner's handing down these suspensions pretty quick to try to put a stop to this thing. And I'll tell you what else is going on if you're paying attention. A lot of these guys lost their sponsorships. Okay, like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, when these guys left, they lost their major sponsorships. I mean, Phil lost all but Callaway. His sponsorship with Callaway has only been suspended because Callaway wisely is waiting to see how this all plays out. Now, Rocket Mortgage, who sponsors the tournament in Detroit every year, they dropped the Shambo. One of Dustin Johnson's major sponsors is RBC. So, I mean, they clearly dropped him. He wasn't playing in their tournament. But you kind of see the writing on the wall here, how these sponsors are sticking with the PGA because they're sponsoring the major tournaments and events of the PGA. I mean, they have a vested interest in these guys playing in the PGA. So, of course, they're sticking with the PGA. They're sticking with Monaghan. They're going to drop these guys. But are these guys really losing out on a ton of money when they're getting handed $100 million to go over to the other side? I mean, he asked the question, why would they leave? I mean, you, you look at losing your sponsorships and you're going to be, you know, suspended from PGA play. And why would they leave? Well, the money. It's the money, man. Clearly for the big guys, it's the guaranteed money. But for the other guys, why would they leave? Well, it's a small field. There's no cut. And let's take a look at the purses. I mean, I told you this last weekend, Schwartz won, and he won $4 million for winning the tournament, plus another 750000 for his team winning the team event within that tournament. Okay, so let's compare the purses from the live event in London and the RBC event that was the same weekend. Okay, in the, in the Live London tournament, first place, $4 million. Second place, $2.125 million. Third place, $1.5. Fifth place, still $1 million. Sixth place, $800,000 still for sixth place. Now let's trickle that all the way down to dead last. The last guy who didn't have to worry about making the cut or not automatically got to play and finish dead last. He got $120,000. Okay? Now let's take a look at the RBC over the weekend. The winner got one5 Compared to $4 million, the winner got $1.5. Second place, $950,000. Second place didn't even make a million. Uh, the live event, the guy made two point one. Okay, third place in the RBC PGA, six hundred thousand. Third place over there made one point five. Fifth place in the RBC, the fifth and sixth got three hundred fifty thousand each. Fifth place over there still got a million bucks, man. I mean, you follow me here, right? Okay, and the guy that came in dead last in the tournament, not counting all the guys that didn't make the cut, the guy that finished dead last in the RBC tournament made seventeen thousand dollars compared to 120000 on the other side, man. I mean, <laughs> you come in dead last and there's no cut and you're going home with hundred and twenty grand. you see why people are leaving. And that's exactly why I think the PGA could be in trouble and Live Golf could pull this thing off, man. I mean, for now, the PGA's right. It's not very competitive over at Live Golf, but as they slowly get the golfers and the big names, I mean, their events start to get bigger. I mean... <laughs> How long is it until the Rocket Mortgages or the RBC Canadian Opens of the world start to follow their former golfers right over to Live Golf? And you can't even ask the question of how long can they keep this up paying these kind of purses. I just told you who's backing this thing and where the money's coming from. It's endless money, man. I mean, this isn't a situation where it's like uh, The Rock and Vince McMahon are trying to get an upstart football league to rival the NFL or the USFL is trying to get a league together to rival the NFL. I mean, we know that those groups are not trying to rival the NFL. They're trying to ride the coattails of the popularity of football and play during uh, the offseason of football and grab some viewership and stuff. Those, those people, they know they're not rivaling the NFL. Every other group that's tried to take on a, a major a sports league like this they haven't had the money or the power to do it uh, this saudi back group has the money and the power 
to do it. And with Greg Norman as the face of this thing and endlessly deep pockets, they could render the PGA irrelevant here pretty quickly. This is a legit threat, and Monaghan knows it. Now, here's where I think Live Golf might screw up, okay? Uh, the word out there is that they're trying to get Tiger real hard, okay? They won't get him. He doesn't need the money, and he still wants those last couple of majors to try and catch Jack. I mean, he's a PGA guy. He's at the end of his career. He doesn't need the money. They're going to screw up if they keep trying to go after guys like that, okay? He'd love the opportunity to win just a couple of more majors and try and catch Jack. And let me tell you this, if all the top golfers start leaving to go over to Live Golf, uh, he may have an opportunity to do that. So they got to be realistic. You're not getting Tiger. He's not going anywhere. That's where they're going to screw up. Now, I'm not saying that's Tiger's reason or motivation or that that's what's going to happen. I'm just throwing hypotheticals at you, and I'm throwing things at you to think through on the situation. They need to leave those kind of things alone, and they just need to focus on getting all the really good young talent out of the PGA. Keep throwing money at these young guys and bringing them over and bringing them over and broadening their field until they have real tournament play going, and then it's not going to be too long before everybody else falls in line, all the sponsors start moving their tournaments over there, and may not even be too long until all the majors are being played under Live Golf. I mean, it may sound crazy, guys, but this is a real real possibility this absolutely could happen they've got the money to be the kings of golf and that's all it'll take because this is golf these players they're not indoctrined to teams they're not indoctrined to teams that are indoctrinated to cities like there's no ties to these players other than fandom and that's it and fandom travels anywhere fandom will travel anywhere but it's not like, you know, you go out for the weekend to root for Phil Mickelson because he plays for Detroit. He, yeah, it's not how it works. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares where the money's coming from from a fan base. Nobody cares. They just want to see the tournaments, and they just want to see the Masters, and they just want to see the British Open and the PGA Championship. You know what I mean? You follow me on that? So none of these other factors come into play. It's all about money, and this group can control it. So Monaghan's got his work cut out for him because – um, if he tries to attack this thing from a place of trying to beat them and trying to stop it or trying to wait them out, uh, he is signing a death warrant for the PGA. He better find a way quickly to get in bed with these guys. I hate to say it, but he better find a way quickly to get in bed with these guys or have some kind of cross-promotion going with these guys or they are absolutely going to just wait him and the PGA out and bleed them dry. So anyway, if you've been a little confused about what's going on with these two conflicting things or you thought it's not a big deal or, you know, you just kind of didn't understand it and didn't want to dive into it, I hope that helps uh, lay it all out there for you guys so you kind of understand it a little better. As always, guys, I want to thank you for listening, man. I want to thank you for tuning in. I, I Honestly, I'll never stop thanking you, and I can't, I can't thank you enough about it. Uh, tune into the Twitter. It's at DWMODpod. We're going to be, de- we're going to be dealing you those uh, MLB parlays every single day. We'll throw you some Major League Baseball parlays. We're winning money on them, guys. We just do a $5 bet. It's a $5 bet. I'm throwing you $5 parlays, man. Five bucks. Some of them are four-teamers, five-teamers. Sometimes I'll throw you a six-teamer against the money line. Sometimes we're against the run lines. Very self-explanatory. You can just check it right out on the Twitter, tell you exactly what to do. You throw a $5 bet on these things, and, and sometimes the $5 will get you 50 and sometimes that 5 bucks will get you 200 I mean, it depends on what the bet is for the day, but 5 bucks can pay. I mean, you think it's a joke? It's not. Five bucks pays, and that's all we're doing is $5 parlays. So, yeah, I made that rhyme. So, as always, stay with me now. Stay with me now, and I'll see you next time.